Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Christianta. Over there across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well today. Uh, we had some baseball happen. Yeah, there was um, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, big developing news: baseball was played. Yeah, it was. They said it wouldn't happen. Yeah, you know. Except that'll be an actual storyline next year. Actually, actually, yes, <laughs> that's un- unfortunate. They really thought it wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who <laughs> knows? Who knows? Yeah, it, that would be a that joke would be a lot more serious. <laughs> Next year and last year. <laughs> and last year, yeah. This is the one year where it's like, well, there's going to be baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Um, Who knows about 2020 and 2022? But 2021, you got yourself some baseball. Yeah, thank God. You got God. 162. You got the playoffs. It's happening. You yeah. got a little spring training. Yeah, thank thank goodness for that. We got <laughs> we got full stadiums back. But, uh, yeah, there's maybe no one in the stands and no games played Nope. Uh, next year. I don't know. Who um, knows? We'll talk about that more, hopefully, with with some people that know more about it. Yeah. Um. So, baseball was played. We we previewed the the World Series last episode. Um. So, uh, what what I'll say is like when I when I gave the prediction of Astros and six, I had no analysis to it whatsoever because I was like these playoffs are random. This is just gonna be a random series. Yep. And I feel like the first two games just kind of. Ev- uh, implicated that just just random stuff going on it was a very like both games were one-sided yeah um like from the, other the way. first three innings on yeah i mean like there wasn't re- there weren't really too many storylines that developed like i feel like we didn't really learn that much from either of these two games yeah no like except for like max freed like he's struggled in his last couple games yeah and charlie morton is pretty nuts and charlie morton is cool that was probably yeah. the best part of either either game yeah, I mean, it's kind of... It wasn't the best part. It was the coolest part. It was the coolest part, and then it's like, oh, wait, the Braves are going to need a Game 5 starter. Yep. Yikes. Um, yeah, really tough position that uh, they are put in, but, I mean, we'll get into the cool part of the story because, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like that was the biggest story of Game 1, not that the Braves won 6-2. Six six to two. Two. Not that they scored. Not that they... Uh, only allowed for Amber Valdez to have four ground balls, which is the lowest amount he's had in any start this year. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, like, I was, I talked about on last show, the Braves had a, uh, had a 13 degree launch angle against lefties this season. That was one of the highest in the majors. I wasn't sure if that were, they were going to be able to sustain that against Gr- Amber Valdez, the ground ball pitcher to end all ground ball pitchers, and they did. Yeah. I mean, they you know they took advantage of some mistakes, certainly, but from the third pitch of the game on, yeah, from the first swing on, <laughs> literally, because it was two zero. Yeah, first swing was a was a homer. Um, but uh, before we get into that, I mean, I guess you know it was already uh, three nothing at this point, mm-hmm. and then eventually five nothing because he went out again. Uh, Charlie Morton takes a 
comebacker that was hit a uh, hundred, like 106 miles per hour. Um, if I go back, I looked at it earlier. Uh, 102.4 mile per hour Ooh. ground ball um, on the exit velocity at a negative six degree launch angle. But, uh, you know, it's he was less than 60 feet away, given that he was uh, ahead of the rubber. So took he uh, took it on the leg, the left leg, and uh, it bounced to first base. Freddie Freeman uh, takes it, and he, uh, he touches first base. <laughs> and um, it's like, oh, you know, Charlie Morton got hit, but he looks, he looks like he's walking around okay. No, no big deal made about it. So uh, afterwards, uh, he gets Chaz McCormick to strike out swinging, and then he uh, induces a line out. Um, where Maldonado got babbipped a little bit. And then uh, and then we see the Braves get two more runs, and then it's the bottom of the third. Charlie Morton's still out there. You know, no one, absolutely no one is thinking about the comebacker that happened the inning before. And he strikes out Jose Altuve looking on a fantastic curveball, by the way, just dropped in right at the knees. And uh, unfortunately, he we see him grimace, we see him favor that left side after he lands and, and follows through. And it's like, and <laughs> it's funny that you can see the corporatization of the, of uh, like professional sports. And it's yep. easy to, easier to identify in uh, sports broadcasting now that we're taking a class, but it immediately goes to like an FTX ad. Yep. <laughs> after Morton is like grimacing with his left leg, it's still, it's still like, we got to get the sponsor in. <laughs> so, so we see that. And then uh, right after that, we see the trainers coming out because everyone, everyone watching at home is like, Morton doesn't look right. So it's like, all right, well, he's uh, he's injured. That's that sucks. I yeah, guess they're already up five nothing. And then, how much later was it? Like thirty minutes? Yeah, something like that. He comes back out for the next inning. No, no, no. Um, or uh, over Minter? No, uh, not not when Minter came in, but when the news dropped of oh, maybe like forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah, f- like. Like an hour later on Twitter, the Atlanta Braves announce he has a broken or a fractured, was it fibula or tibia? Um, I think it was a fibula. Okay. Yeah. Fa- fa- uh, fractured fibula, and uh, he will be out for the remainder of the season. And everyone's like, for, everyone's first thought, I, I don't know what everyone's first thought was. Mine was like, dang, that sucks for the Braves. And then it's like, Oh wait, he threw 16 pitches. Yeah. With just a fractured leg, like it was no problem and he and he got 3 outs. He didn't allow anyone on base. Pretty crazy. And he th- threw like the same velocity. It's nuts. I I don't know. What was your reaction? Um, I mean, my reaction was that wasn't it the fastest pitch he threw all night? Um Am I wrong on that? When uh, well, it happened. Not, it the happened, not the one that ended that, it. In that in that inning. In that at bat, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, was, he had his he had his like I mentioned last night. He had his Greg Jennings moment. Yeah, he put the team on his back. Yeah, uh, for those unaware, just just if you're up. if you're unaware, you're too young to be listening to this show. Yeah, look up. You need to be aware. Look up YouTube. Or go on YouTube and look up Greg Jennings. It'll be the first thing that shows up. <laughs> Super Bowl champion, you know, one of the best wide receivers in Packers history. But the highlight of his career was when he put the team on his back. It was on, it was a Madden 08 highlight. Yep. Um, but it was it was like that in real life with uh, with Charlie Morton. He like pretty, he had a fractured leg, 
and he's out there just getting strikeouts. He struck out two of the three batters he faced after that happened. Yeah, and it was what? It was Jose Siri. Was it Siri? McCormick. McCormick. Chaz McCormick, Martin Maldonado, and Jose Altuve, which, I mean, a lot of people were like, dude, I could strike out Martin <laughs> Maldonado on a broken leg, <laughs> but, which was funny. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Yeah. Um, um, one takeaway that I had, uh, that game had 18 batted balls hit above 100 miles an hour between the two teams. Wow. I'm checking, and I think that's the most in any World Series game since we started tracking this. Um, I could be wrong, though, because I don't know for sure. There's potential there. I think it is. I'm not seeing the Nationals anywhere on this list, so it can't be 2019. Yeah, but, you know, like, that's just the StatCast era. I'm pretty yeah. sure, like, game four of the 1946 World Series, yeah. we were seeing some 100-mile-an-hours. Absolutely. We, we saw, like, 25. Who played in that game again? Oh, it was Red Sox and Cardinals? Yeah, yeah. it was Williams and Musial. Oh, yeah. Ted Williams, he definitely hit one. Ted Williams least. got babbipped in that series. Yeah, he did. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> he lost. <laughs> yeah, he, he lost and did not have a... I yeah, think. the Astros had 10... Balls hit above 100 miles an hour in that game, uh, and the Dodgers, or sorry, the Braves had eight. Wow, that is pretty crazy. That's pretty pretty nuts. Oh, um, game six of the 2016 World Series also at 18 between the two teams. That was when the Cubs won nine to three. It was. That was when Addison Russell hit a grand slam. That was when. The Cubs had 10 of such batted balls. The Cleveland Baseball Club had eight. I I watched that game at like 5 in the morning because uh, I was, for some reason, I was like in a routine of wanting to go to bed earlier and watching the World Series games or playoff games in the the morning before school. Right. So I woke up at like 4 a.m., made myself breakfast, so I, and then I was able to skip commercials. And I watched that happen, uh, like eat it while I was eating oatmeal or something. See, I could never do that. A because I would be so tempted to go on my phone during the game, and thus I would go on Twitter and see who won. Secondly, like if you're skipping commercials, you can see like how much time is left in the recording. Yeah, that is true. Which is a problem because it's like I don't know what if the like the Cubs are up one in the bottom of the ninth inning, and it's like oh well, there's 12 minutes left, so obviously they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was just like super tired, and I was. Yeah. I feel like all, yeah, all during high school, I was just undersleeping, which I guess waking up at four a.m. didn't help. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to. Just it was only it was like only those playoffs too where mm. that happened. I have no idea why. Um, but that's that's my memory of it. Is just pitch black. No one else in the house was awake, <laughs> and I and I'm like, oh wow. Four runs right there. Huh. Looks like the Cubs are going to win this game. <laughs> I got Arietta on the mound. Wow. They're in uh, 41.7% of the Astros' batted balls in game one were 100 miles an hour. That is the highest percentage of any uh, team in the World Series dating back to 2015. I'll get the button out for that one. All right, we'll get the button out for that one. The Braves had the 18th highest. Interesting. So... Just some 100-mile-an-hour scorchers by uh, Houston. And that was game one? Yes. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was the game where they scored two runs, not the game where they scored seven. Yeah. How many of them were hits? Let me see. Of the ten. 
Uh, oh, I, a decent amount. Let's see. There's how many was there? There was twenty. Okay, there was ten. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Okay, six of them were hits. Four of them were outs. But the four outs had uh, launch angles of two degrees, negative six degrees, negative eleven degrees, and negative twenty degrees. Hmm. So it all makes sense. Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, so yeah, Charlie Morton had a crazy had a you know crazy story. He'll be immortalized for that forever. Yep. Um, but uh, you can't. You can't uh, reject the implications that it has because now the Braves are down a starter, mm-hmm. uh, and I like I have no idea what they're gonna do. I don't either. Um, Drew Smiley's probably gonna start a game at some point. Yeah, he might start Game Five. He pitched in relief last night. Because there's already a question mark of what they do Game Four. They had a uh, yeah. Well, they had Tucker Davidson replace Morton as the uh, as the replacement on the roster. That's not like I don't know if that's someone who you're throwing out there to to go five i'll be honest i've never heard of the guy really no okay he's a left-handed pitcher uh he pitched one and two-thirds in he was a prospect like a pretty good prospect i believe uh let me check his prospect rankings Mm, no i I guess he was never top 100 i thought he had some sort of uh hype whatever but anyway um 2020 threw an inning in two-thirds didn't really count 2021, he threw 20 innings pitched, had a 125 ERA plus, uh, had some home run problems, but other than that, pretty good on the FIP stuff. 20, uh, 18 strikeouts in 20 innings, eight walks, which isn't great, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still, I mean, that's not, you know, you can't expect that guy to go out and be Charlie Morton. Yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah, it sucks. And I was looking at some Charlie <clears throat> Charlie Morton stats. And in his last ten playoff starts, he had a two five one ERA. Like that's yeah. that's someone that you're gonna miss uh, in that. It's the guy you want on your playoff roster. Like you like the Braves signed Charlie Morton to a one year deal in November specifically for those games. Exactly. And now they don't have him. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he wasn't. It, yeah, this addition wasn't for the regular season. It was definitely. Uh, you know, it was part partially regular season. It helps them out, help them out. But that's not they, But that's not what they were thinking when they signed the paper. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so, yeah, that that is uh, disappointing. We'll see how that develops um, over the course of the series and how the Braves are going to manage their uh, manage their pieces. But um, the other story of the game was Braves offense came out swinging early. And set the tone of the game, and it was never really in the Astros' control. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, they scored what uh, five runs in two, in- five runs in three innings. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that game it, it was it was quickly, uh, it was quickly settled. Yeah, and the bullpen, uh, the bullpen usage was very good. After Charlie Morton obviously came out unexpectedly, I think it was Minter who pitched two and two thirds in relief. And then uh, Luke Jackson, who came back from his Dodgers series, had a very good outing. And then it was Tyler Motzik and then Will Smith. I mean, like, there was your best four relievers, and they all yeah. just locked it down. Yeah, I, I don't think that was talked about enough either as you bring that up because mm-hmm. they went six and two-thirds, two runs allowed. Yeah, that's great. Against a very good Astros lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, the Braves' bullpen as a whole, like, they really stepped it up this postseason. Yeah, exactly. Regardless of what happens from here. Yeah, it's, like that is a large reason as to why we're talking about them today. 
Yeah, the only um, yeah the only complaint you could have is like Luke Jackson. Yeah, but I mean he was still great in game one. Yeah, he was, for sure. And also Tyler Matzik bailed him out that one time. Yep, yep, he did. So it didn't end up uh, hurting them too much. Um, so yeah, the so I mean yeah, just right out of the gate, as we mentioned, Jorge Soler takes a sinker up and in, which uh, <laughs> we got to explain the Jorge Soler up and in thing because first at bat of the playoffs for the Braves Brewers series um it's Burns versus Solaire and for seven consecutive pitches I'm pretty sure it was down and away yep set up down and away every single time didn't matter if it was a cutter or a four seamer or a curveball or a slider it was down and away every single time and then the one time someone missed in the third inning it was hit to the warning track. So uh, so I guess the scouting report is go down and away on Jorge Soler. So we looked at all his like zone data, and they're absolutely right. Yeah, they're completely correct. So then game one, uh, first step out of the World Series. Uh, Soler's, Soler's up. It's 2-0. Framber Valdez throws a sinker, hangs a sinker, up and in. That's not down and away. No. It's up and in. And Solaire hits it 105 miles per hour into the Crawford boxes, and it's one nothing Braves out of the gate. And uh, I don't know, was that like one of the first leadoff home runs? It was in the, the first leadoff home run in World Series history by the top of the first, because Chris Taylor hit one in 2017, but he was on the home team. Right. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, top of the first got it going. Um, first first guy to ever do that. So. Um, so yeah, that set the tone a little bit. So it was one, nothing after that. And then, uh, and then Ozzy Albies, um, got basically a swinging bunt. Uh, I'm pretty sure that got him to first base. Then he stole second base. Everyone was really happy about that. Not for, uh, not for baseball reasons, (laughs) but for taco reasons. Yep. And then Austin Riley drives him in with a double and it's two, nothing. And then. Uh, in the top of the second, uh, the the uh, Braves are able to get runners on base immediately again with two singles from Travis Darnold and Jock Peterson. And then Dansby Swanson uh, hits a fly ball to set deep center field. Uh, both runners tag, and then Jorge Soler gets uh, just an RBI ground out to make it 3-0. And then, uh, and then top of the third, we get an Eddie Rosario single and an Adam Duvall home run, and that's it for Framber Valdez. Yep. Um, so I mean, cert- certainly the Braves were doing something much differently than the Red Sox. <laughs> I mean, they were also getting you know lucked out like a little bit. So Framber Valdez uh, had a 600 BABIP against. That was the highest uh, of any start he's had this year. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think there was like a correlation between exit velocity or anything. I think that was right where it normally is. Uh, he gave up four ground balls. Three of them ended up being hits. That is not something you can ever expect. That's not something you would think would happen. Uh, but that is just what happened. And obviously, you know the mislocation. If you go look at go back and look at the home runs, um, and even the double by Austin Riley. That was a 3-0 pitch right down the middle. Soler, like you mentioned, he threw him up and in. Uh, the other one was who hit the other home run. Uh, Duvall. Duvall, yeah. That was uh, hanging in the strike zone. Uh, that's not what you want. Yeah, definitely not. So, you know, there were some there were some mistakes 
uh, being made, but you know, um, luck luck does play a factor. Yeah. And yeah, thinking about it now, I guess Valdez only gave up one more home run than he did against the Red Sox, as Devers was able to get him. That's true. Um, so, so yeah, Valdez gives up five runs in two innings. Um, the Braves bullpen, and basically from there on, it's just Braves bullpen is able to ride it out. And that's it. That's the story of the game, really. Yeah. Um, Remember Valdez's start against the Red Sox was literally the highest exit velocity he's given up all year. That is a joke. <laughs> that is an absolute joke. 89.8 miles per hour. That is the highest average exit velocity he had all year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it was his and he had a 105 BABIP against. Was that the second lowest? No, it wasn't. It was the third lowest. <laughs> wow. That's something. That is spectacular. I love that. Gotta love bad balls in play. Um, so yeah, game one, Braves Braves win. Looking good for the Braves. They got Max Fried the next day. We know Max Fried has a pretty good pretty good playoff history. Uh and you know, he had one bad start against the Dodgers, but he had one good start against the Dodgers to go along with that. And then uh it's in the as I'm trying to remember, the Braves scored one in the first inning, right? Or was it just the second? The Braves. No. Oh, they. Oh, okay, I remember. Yeah, they scored in the second because they tied it up. Yeah, they they answered back. It was the home run by Darno. Yep, yep. And then, uh, as we go to yeah, next game. Yeah, the Astros were able to get one run in the first. If I'm remembering correctly, I thought they may have left some guys on base. No. No, it was just double. It was just double and then moving moving the guy around is what ha- is what happened. And then Darnell home run. And then the main event, the main thing that happened in the game was uh the second inning where we see some uh bu- a little bit of babippery but some but some hard line drives. Yeah. That's what you need for a big inning. It's some hard hit line drives, and sometimes you got to have things go your way. Um, I guess I should look at the data for yesterday's game, at least in the second inning, as we look up Freed. So in the in the second inning, I believe he strikes out the first battery faces. Yeah, he struck out Carlos Correa. Then base hit by Kyle Tucker. 94.4 miles per hour, 9 degrees. That's that's a line drive. That's an expected batting average of 6.10. Then Yuli Gurriel, another single. That one was uh, a little less expected to happen. 3.10 expected batting average. Then a either a swinging bunt, or I don't know if it was an actual bunt. It may have been. I'm not sure. But it was hit 51.5 miles per hour, and uh, and it had a projected distance of 3 feet. Uh, had a 290 expected batting average, and that scored a run. And then uh, after that, Martin Maldonado comes up. Uh, not the best offensive history. He hits a he hits a ground ball, zero degree launch angle, and 89.1 miles per hour with a 230 expected batting average. But it gets through the hole, and uh, he adds uh, another run, or he adds two more runs because there was uh, an advancement on a throwing error by the left fielder. And that made it four to one. And then, to top it all off, Michael Brantley came in, and uh, he had a hard hit line drive. 
to uh, drive in a run, make it five to one. And then from then on, it was, you know, it was uh, Luis Garcia and the Astros bullpen riding it out. That's right. So both of these games were just whoever struck early. Pretty much. I mean, it was kind of just whoever ran away with it in the first few innings. Yeah, pretty much. Like, like you said, we didn't learn much. We did not learn couple, much. You know, a couple of interesting statcast related things. You know, um, I guess isn't a statcast thing, but Framber Valdez's BABIP, his BABIP against ungrounded balls, especially the amount of 100 mile an hour balls hit by both teams in game one. Game two was probably, I guess, less interesting as far as, far as stuff like that. Uh, game one at a hard hit rate above 50%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, that was pretty cool. Both games? No, they, just game one. Oh, game one. They both yeah. had hard hit rates of like they combined, yeah, fifty percent. The combined uh, for game two it was thirty four point eight percent. Yeah, that's that's like major league average. So yeah, uh, the max exit velocity. Oh, never mind. It's like really the max pitch velocity, not exit velocity. Yeah, it was ninety. So it was the last pitch of the game from uh, Kendall Graven. That's really impressive for both teams to have fifty percent hard hit rates in a single game, in and especially game. especially in a six two game. Yeah, like it's like oh that must have been like twelve to ten. <laughs> no, nope. right, right. Everything was just driven in the ground. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, that those were those were the first two games of uh of the series. I mean, so I guess I guess now we kind of outlook how the next three are going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Halloween weekend also. Um, not that, not that that's important, but it is happening. Yeah. Um, so our probable starters for game three on Friday, if it will load up, uh, we got, or wait, no. Okay. Just a, just a little ARR correction here. Luis Garcia did not start game two. I said Luis Garcia. Yeah, did. I was gonna. I completely flew over my head too. I was, was like, oh, I was like, I'm gonna correct him at the end of the sentence, and I forgot to. It was Jose Urquidy, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I guess it's because I wasn't associating Jose Urquidy with success, which is my fault. All he does is succeed. That yeah, that six run outing. Yep, that was a blip in the radar. So and it's the good. It was same with the first one before that, right? Um, one against the White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, everyone has like two or seven bad starts in a row. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> um, so Luis Garcia is going to be starting this upcoming game against Ian Anderson. Yep, two guys that uh, are going to be in their respective Rookie of the Year races. Yeah, I'll talk about uh, the Astros against going against Ian Anderson. Uh, if there's one thing you need to know about Ian Anderson, it's that he's going to throw his changeup a lot. It's his primary pitch. It's his most effective pitch. It's one of the more effective pitches in baseball. So, the Astros, uh, well, they're 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 familiar. Uh, this year, they led the majors in batting average against, WOBA against, and were second in the league in slugging against changeups. Uh, so they hit that particular type of pitch very well. If you're Ian Anderson, the key to the game is locating. Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to throw every ball where you want it to be because if you make a mistake, this team will punish you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the yeah. So, okay, can you repeat? Can you repeat those stats on the Astros versus changeups? Absolutely. Sorry. So the Astros this year um, hit 265 against changeups. 
They had a 452 slugging, and they had a 325 Woba. All of those led the majors except for their slugging, in which they were second. So if you're Ian Anderson, you're going to be throwing your changeup a lot. It's a pitch that the Astros hit very well. Uh, you're going to need to locate on that. Like it's going to like locations going to have to be picture perfect. Yeah, Otherwise, they're going to punish. Yeah, 265 average on a changeup is pretty rare because usually that's something. The league that, average was 237. Yeah, usually that's something that can uh, that can contain that can really contain uh, an offense. But um, with the Astros, not really the case. But I feel like they I feel like they were able to really hit all the all the pitches. Um, I mean, yeah, but. You know, we're talking like like best team in the league against changeups. That is true. Especially this is a team that Ian Anderson has never faced before, because he hasn't had the obviously he hasn't had the chance to. Uh, this is probably the first time he's going to face a team from the AL West. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um. Right. Right. Yeah. Because he wouldn't have last year, definitely not. And he shouldn't have this year. Yeah, because they were facing yeah the East again. Yep. Um. So yeah. Um. So anyway. Uh, yeah, those were the first two games. Um, geez, what is happening here? What are we doing? What is happening here? We got Killingworth, Connecticut, trying to call me. Decline. Classic Killingworth. Killingworth, the home of Camille Kostek. <laughs> Don't know where, who that is. Where she grew up. That's uh, Rob Gronkowski's girlfriend. Oh, uh, okay. Um, who's also like a Sports Illustrated model. Cool. Um, so. Yeah, that'll be game three. You got Luis Garcia versus Ian Anderson. Um, Ian Anderson might have to be a little more careful on the changeup than uh, than normal. Uh, and then game four is TBD and game five is TBD. We don't really know. Like those those games are so unpredictable. Both of them. Because mm-hmm. because you don't even know what Framber's going to be doing. We've seen yeah many sides of Framber. We have seen many sides of Framber. I mean. I think that was kind of the flukiest Framber start we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I, I do think he's going to turn it around and be better. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, everything else he did pretty well. Like, I don't think, to my knowledge, I don't think he was walking people. Uh, he was still throwing strikes. Obviously, the two home runs were bad. Like, that was the problem. Those were two missed pitches. All three of the extra base hits were, were mislocations for sure. Yep. But um, other than that, like, he got, you know, when he did get the ground balls, they just didn't go his way. And that's something that you can't assume is going to happen. Right. Right. That's true. Um, so, and in terms of where we're at uh, predicting, I feel like we're kind of at where we thought the series would be at. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think it really changed how we see the series playing yeah. out. I mean, I guess the only big change is Charlie Morton no longer being available. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a big, that's a big, uh, that's a big thing. So, like, it. We're probably going to be, we're likely going to be seeing a game six. We're likely going to be recording here on uh, on Monday, um, talking about future games as well. Yeah. Uh, but there is uh, that's a scary possibility that like. Oh wow. Okay. So our next episode, we're talk. We're not. We don't talk about any future games. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Luis Garcia is also going to be facing an NLEs team for the first time as well. So this is a mat. This is a matchup of entirely new faces. Like it's hard to imagine what. It's hard to tell what to expect. Yeah. From these two. Well, you know, Luis Garcia is also uh, on the Nationals. <laughs> There's a well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he's on the Cardinals. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he played in 1999 and 2002 <laughs> also. 
There's so many Luis Garcias. There's five Luis Garcias in MLB history, <laughs> which is like, there's. I don't think there's any other name like it. No, I not even th- like, what? I know there's two Pedro Martinez's. There's the obvious one. And there's then, two Joe Smiths. <laughs> if there's two Joe Smiths, what are we even doing? Trying to look for another more common name. Not only that, but like three active players with the same name too. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I feel like I feel like one of them might be uh one of the pair might be actually related but they don't talk about it. I mean, I feel like it would say so on on baseball reference. I just, Imagine it says like Luis Garcia related to her brother of Luis Garcia. Yeah, I just remember that story of with Rugnet Odor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He is like his a brother also named Rugnet Odor. I think he has like two sisters with the same name. <laughs> I think his dad is also Rugnet Odor. Yeah, and it was like it helped him out with um Lie, if he could lie about his age so he could be more valuable. Right. Uh, Who was, uh, there was another one. Oh, it was, um, Luis Basabi. Former, uh, the two former Red Sox prospects. There was like a Luis Alejandro and a Luis Alexander. <laughs> yeah. I want to say there was another one, though. Dang. But I can't think of it right now. That's crazy. That's crazy stuff. I remember there was a guy who played for the Brewers, like, as a September call up in 20. 20- like 14 or something. His name was Nevin Ashley, and his wife's name was Ashley, so her name became Ashley Ashley. <laughs> yeah. That's that, funny. that was a cool one. Yeah, That's... this he played uh, 12 games for the Brewers. Um, he got three hits, drove in a run. Yeah. <laughs> we won't we won't talk about the rest of it. It's not important. That's that's pretty funny of how yeah. of how that works out. Yeah, fun name, fun name talk. Absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, how did we go from Luis Gar? Oh, because Luis Garcia. Yeah, yeah five, obviously. Because yeah. of all the Luis Garcias. Yeah. So like, I guess I guess he has faced NLE's teams because he's also in the Nationals <laughs> <laughs> as a second baseman <laughs> on the side. Um, he's a much better pitcher than position player. Let's, we'll say that. Yeah. Because he pitches for two teams. Also, we can't forget about that. Um, so yeah, Luis Garcia, he's facing an NLE's team. They're all the pitchers time. too. Um, I think, right? I think the Nationals one is a second baseman and then, Oh, okay. Unless I'm wrong. Um, the Nationals, it's hard clicking this on baseball reference <laughs> because they just don't, it's cause they both debuted the same year. Yeah. In 2020. Uh, in 2020. I mean, how 2020 is that? You got you two guys. You just got guys. a million Luis Garcias. You just got two. Okay, yeah, he is a second baseman. He's from New York. Nice. He, oh, wow, he was born nine days before I was. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's way older than you. He's way older than me. He's much more. He's got much more life experience than me. Yeah. You still got You still got time. Exactly. <laughs> nine days older. You still got time. You and another Daniel Curran. Yeah. I still have time to make it to the big leagues. Um. We were born in the same state too. <laughs> That's great. Um, so yeah, we got Luis Garcia, Ian Anderson. <laughs> Luis Garcia is the son of one of the Luis Garcias, the one who played in 1999. Oh, yeah. All right, we got some lineage now. We do. There we go. Father of Luis. I'm, it literally says Father of Luis Garcia. On they better. Luis Garcia. They, this guy was also a second baseman. Heck yeah, he played for the 1999 Detroit Tigers. They better all have multiple sons named Luis Garcia that make it to the major leagues. <laughs> yeah, we need that. The notable 1992 or the 1999 Tigers that went 69 and 92. 
They had Brad Osmus uh, with 3.4. My buddy, Brad Osmus. Your buddy, yeah. <laughs> Friend of yours. They had uh, They had Juan Encarnacion. Oh, they had Gabe Kapler. Cool. They had Juan Encarnacion. They had... Uh, they had a different guy named Nelson Cruz, who was who was in his age twenty six. I don't know. I feel like Nelson Cruz was twenty six in nineteen ninety nine. That makes sense. Yeah, that would make him forty. He also was. He he also happened to be a pitcher. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Fine, Nelson Cruz. Fine, Nelson Cruz is forty eight, and he's lying about it. Yeah, I believe it. Why not? Yeah. He's great. <laughs> he also used to be a pitcher. He threw for 348 innings, 348 in the third innings to a 93 ERA plus. <laughs> and, uh, oh, to be fair, 9.5 hits per nine for his career. I mean, get babbipped. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So some lineage has been discovered on above replacement radio. Um, yeah, so. I guess uh, game four and game five, we, we just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. I mean, Framber should be better, but we have no idea what the Braves are going to bring out. Um, we, this, we, we both would agree this series is probably going back to Houston, right? I would hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't yeah. see a way that – I guess I see more a way the Astros can sweep than the Braves can sweep. And by sweep, I mean the next three games. Yeah. Um. But I, I still don't see the Astros. I mean, the Braves. The Braves haven't lost a home playoff game all year. That's right. They're five five and zero. Five and zero. Because they swept the Brewers at home and they won the first two and Game Six against the Dodgers. And they've been they've been a good crowd. Yeah, they have been. Um, I'm gonna say Braves two out of three. Braves two out of three. Yeah, I think they get Game Three and then they find a way to steal one of the other two. Um. Yeah, I'll just say Astros two out of three because it just follows what yeah. I, what I had originally. Both of ours are probably gonna follow. So as what long we as as originally. long as there isn't a sweep, one of us nailed it. Um, yeah, that's correct. That is correct. Unless unless Braves in six. Well, yeah, but it'd be like for oh, this. Oh, in terms of yeah. Or Astros in seven. Yep. Yeah. Can't, can't nail that. Um, unless like there's like three game sweep, or unless. Um, like the Braves lose game three and then win four and five. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, uh, so yeah, so we got, we got, uh, yeah, we got three games coming up. Hopefully when we come back on Monday, we are still talking about future games. Mm-hmm. That would be good. That would be very good. And then, uh, our last episode talking about games that just happened would be episode 162. Which would be perfect. Which would be perfect. Yeah. Would be perfect. Um, so, uh, in other news, something we didn't get to last episode, cause the last episode was already an hour and a half and we figured, you know, this is, you know, we can, we can wait on this one. Uh, the Cardinals, uh, hired 35 year old Ollie Marmel, um, who was their former bench coach, uh, before Mike Schilt got fired. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to, when I, when you hear a 35-year-old gets hired as manager, you automatically assume that this is going to be like a new school guy, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. And also, new school doesn't always necessarily mean good. Like, new school usually leads to better, to more success, but sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do, what were your uh, initial thoughts? I've had a lot of time to sit with this because when Mike Schilt got fired, they said that they were going through a, a philosophical change 
in the organization, so I, I automatically assumed that meant they were hiring from outside the organization. They were going to bring someone else in who was going to bring something to the table that wasn't already there. That's not what they did. They hired their bench coach, but um, I kind of like this move. You know, he's, a, like you said, 35 years old. He's been in the Cardinals organization uh, since 2007. He was a sixth-round pick in the, 20, in the 2007 draft. Never made it to the majors, but he played 262 games for them in the minors between ages 20 and 23. Um, so this is a guy who's stuck around, like even though, you know, he never made it there, and uh, I'm happy he's finally getting a chance to, to have the spotlight. Yeah, this is a good story, and I mean it's uh, it's good because also, like we have a chance because of his age, like we have a chance if he does very well, he could be like a very big like legacy manager, like going from age 35 to, to 68 seven, to yeah. 70 if he really wants to. But who knows. I don't think baseball is really like that anymore. No, because um, the industry is just constantly changing. Exactly, exactly. Staying with one guy is mostly not going to work unless they can adapt. Yeah, I love in 20 years we're going to be – there's going to be people like, wow, you still look at like – OPS. You, you still look at OPS. Seriously, dude? Don't you know there's league adjustments for that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't you know it's like absolutely 100% – 100% perfected now. There was actually a very dumb argument made against OPS or for OPS recently where did you see when Pete Rose had those comments about Joey Gallo? Um, no, I, so I didn't. Pete Rose had these comments about Joey Gallo where he was like, this guy strikes out 213 times a year. Like, I don't know what I'd do with myself if I struck out 213 times a year. And then someone cited that Joey Gallo had a higher career OPS than Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yes, the guy who played in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. i think i think pete rose had a higher ops plus um i know pete rose's career Maybe ops plus was like 118 i think exactly that joey gallows is probably more than that i don't know uh oh it's 114 okay never mind yeah yeah, yeah like i don't know uh i think bobby abreu had a higher ops than hannes wagner but <laughs> that's funny as <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> but but Bobby Abreu <laughs> played in the 90s and Hannes Wagner played in the dead ball era. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, because I think Bobby Abreu was 870 and yeah. Wagner was like 858. Yeah. I think. But, <laughs> but, you know, you know, that's, that's where we, you know, OPS is great. And <laughs> To I, be fair, to be fair, Bobby Abreu should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and I, and I agree that OPS uh, is dumb when comparing eras. It's dumb when comparing eras. And I, but I I still like it just looking at like 20, yeah twenty twenty one exactly yeah. like if we're looking at modern day I think it's fine but if you're gonna be like oh Pete Rose you're gonna make these comments about Joey Gallo he's a better hitter than you man <laughs> no actually he's not it's like yeah he really nah. isn't he's you know but the diff the difference isn't as much as most people would probably think mm-hmm. uh, no I mean there is like obviously different play styles yeah yeah like yeah Rose Rose was the on base guy. Mm-hmm. Gallo, I guess it's still an on-base guy, but slugging. Like yeah. In terms of OPS, his slugging is weighted more, yep. and Rose's OBP is weighted more in the uh, in OPS. But back to subject at hand, uh, it was funny seeing that it's a philosophical change, but they're just going with the next guy down. Yeah, uh, and I, I still think there can be a change. You know, I mean, like we don't know what was going on in the clubhouse. Maybe Mike Show was uh, was rejecting some advice. I don't know. I mean, we can't we can't know as of right now. Yeah, but well, I mean, this does seem a lot different. 
Yeah, probably. And they probably hired, they probably had him as the bench coach for a reason. So that if, if we don't like Schilt, we have him. Yeah. We have him now. Um, I didn't see any other reports of like people they interviewed and the news kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I'm very curious as to what their interview process was like. Because, like, with the, you know, you're hearing the Padres and Mets right now. Like, the Padres are interviewing, they just interviewed Ozzy Guillen. Like, they've interviewed uh, Luis Rojas. Like, they got names coming in and out. Same thing with the Mets. I didn't hear anything with the Cardinals. Yeah, no, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just sticking in the organization. It's it's interesting, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if they didn't interview with, interview anybody, they are extremely confident in what they have with uh, Ollie Marmel. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is the youngest. This is the youngest manager I've seen maybe in, in like my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, like there's the Cardinals' average age as a team was probably close to. Yeah. Close to that. Like yeah. Adam Wainwright is going to be five years older than his manager. Yeah. So yeah. Yadier Molina is going to be older than his manager. Let's see how many how many players did the Cardinals have that were 35 and older. Last year. Yeah, we had Hap, Lester, uh, Wainwright, Yachty. And okay, wow. There's, so there was Matt Carpenter, Andrew Miller, Wade LeBlanc, Brandon Dixon, John Lester, Yadier Molina, Jay Hap, and Adam Wainwright. <laughs> Is that seven guys? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Eight guys. Eight guys. Older than the manager. That's crazy. That's like one third of the team. Yeah. Um, a, a good Bono moment. That's about one third of the team. <laughs> it's about one third of the twenty-five man roster. 20, 26. Yeah, twenty-six. Just gotta get used to that. Um, when did they make that change last year? I think it was like a few years ago. Maybe they made it in twenty twenty because of COVID. They were like, hey, "You can stick one more." I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it was when they ended September call ups. Um, yeah, I think that was after twenty nineteen. Yeah, and I think yeah. they were going to do it anyway without COVID. Yeah, because and I remember Bob Nightingale on August 31st, he was like, well, this is the last September, and everyone was like, okay, they'll have it in next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Ollie Marmel, hired by the yeah. Cardinals. Uh, I guess I guess we'll close out with talking about uh, our uh, our favorite social media man. Oh, yeah. Who's becoming our favorite social be- media man is Mr. Fundamentals himself. <laughs> you know, plays Alex the game the Rodriguez. right way. Yeah, you know, I all I saw, the only way I saw Alex Rodriguez score or produce runs was ground balls through the hole. Ground balls through the hole, bunting, uh, you know, moving guys over. Yeah, like yeah. man on second, nobody out. He's just grounded to second. He's the guy who played the game the right way. Yes. That's, what, <laughs> that's all I hear about him. Yeah. That's what um that documentary... Screwball. Screwball was all about. Yep. Was how he played the right way. Yeah, just how admirable he was. Do you have those as a, tr- as a figure? Yes. Do you have his tweets pulled yes. up? The, well, there was one. There was one in particular from last night. It was about that Astros second inning we mentioned. Uh, there was some bad bippery going on. Yeah. For reference, Alex Rodriguez is he's one of the there's there's a whole uh, there's a whole crew of people that I guess Alex Rodriguez has joined in that anything anytime something bad happens in baseball. That's analytics. Yeah, analytics and, is when something bad happens. And anything, something good happens for your team, that's the anti-analytical approach. Yep. Um, um, it was... And analytics is like, it doesn't mean anything. It just... 
Yeah, the second ash, the second inning for the Astros was the anti-analytic inning, <laughs> making contact, beating the shift, and doing it with some low exit velo. Impressive. Five singles, keeping the lead to four runs for the Astros. Yeah, low exit. Keep if you're getting moving. if you're getting hits on low exit velo ground balls, it means you're getting lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, <laughs> no no hitter is up there saying. I really hope I can hit a, a squibber through the hole. Yeah, no one's like, they got a 98-mile-per-hour fastball coming at them. They can't compute, like, Yeah, that's, what, that's, the, that's the thing, man. That's the thing. <laughs> like, this pitch is not, like, the it's that wind. The people that complain about hitters only swing for the fences. So it's like, do you want, like, a like a slap hit on a 98-mile-an-hour fastball where you can not even see it? Yeah, like you're the only thing you can do is swing as hard as you can because that's your best bet on making contact that isn't like a foul ball or a pop up or like a a weak grounder. Yeah, no one in the history of baseball has done the geometry of like trying to divide the first base and second base hole in half. <laughs> like the only person you can make that case for is Ted Williams, who a was a believer in launch angle and b what was the fastest pitch he ever saw? Like ninety four miles an hour. I probably that was a flamethrower. He was like, yeah, he, like he faced Bob Feller, maybe. Yeah, Bob Feller, probably. Yeah, yeah. like and, I, I, yeah, I don't know. He probably, yeah, he probably saw yeah. like, he never saw anything above ninety-five, probably. Like, how are you supposed to to swing for a ground ball? Like, what does that look? I'm trying to envision. Like, what does that look like? What What does not swing for the fences look like against a ninety-eight it mile looks an hour like, fastball? I mean, I, I don't want like you know, it's a it's a good sport, obviously, but it looks like softball, probably. Like slap hitting. Yeah. Like Ichiro Suzuki. Like Ichiro. Okay, that's that is that is probably an exception. But we've mentioned Ichiro. Like I mentioned, I think we were talking about how. But Ichiro was just ridiculously fast. We were talking about yeah. how how like um how we were talking about Framber, and eventually I talked about how like yeah, there's certain there's certain guys where you can specialize like that. Like Framber Valdez can specialize in getting ground balls. Ichiro could specialize in getting infield singles, but you're not going to tell Adam Dunn to do the exact yeah. same thing. Yep. You can't tell any hitter in baseball to just get ground balls for the hole or infield singles. Yeah, no, except for like those exceptions. Yeah, like A Rod, how did you how did you hit? How did you yeah. get a career 9.30 OPS or something or yeah. however you got it? Surely you don't have the fourth highest home run total of all time. <laughs> My God, why do you think you were better than everybody? Why do you think you got two $200 million contracts? Was it because you were hitting it through the hole, or was it because you were hitting 40 home runs a year? And like, as a shortstop. As a shortstop. Yeah. Like the position that is actually known for hitting the ball on the ground, weak contact, strong defense. Yeah. What makes it more hilarious is that it's not just some like random yeah. 52-year-old dad who like played varsity high school. It's... One of the greatest power hitters of all time. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> and he owns a franchise. Yeah. He owns a professional sports franchise in a in an entire sports world where people are going to analytics. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only thing, like, the biggest improvements every team is making is their analytical department. Yeah. Like, that's what the, that's what the Giants won Yeah, surely, games. Surely the Giants had five guys over the age of 33 <laughs> with a slugging percentage above 500 because they got slap hits through the middle. Yeah, yeah. Surely a team that looked like it was going down the drain a few years ago. Cer- certainly, they didn't hire a new GM who took control of the analytical department that literally that revitalized the team and made like 
Buster Posey, one of the best catchers in baseball <laughs> in the Again. year in the year 2021. With everything he's been through with his injuries, yeah, like he's surely. A, he's a catcher and he's in his mid 30s and he's having like one of the best seasons of his career. In a in a in a career that has had some really good seasons, including a most and, valuable player award, an MVP season. <laughs> yeah, a season where he was the catcher on three set, a rookie of the year season too. A season, yes, seasons in which three of them ended in World Series championships as a catcher. Uh, yeah, it's it's hilarious. It's funny every time. When it it gets yeah, like it's it's every single time he'll say something that you can just refute in like three seconds. Yeah, I just love yeah. Of the that Poppy hasn't, that Big Poppy hasn't gone on. He he's never brought up like the anti analytics. I think he just, I think he's just having fun. No, he, he, that's exactly what he's there to do. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he'll just give like he'll guy. give like swing analysis and stuff. But he's there to have fun, man. Right. Like, that's exactly what that broadcast is for. Yeah, it's it's uh, the yeah. funniest thing ever was before the Field of Dreams game when it was the White Sox and Yankees and they had Frank Thomas, A Rod, and Big Poppy making their predictions. It's like, man, I wonder who each of them is gonna pick to win the game. <laughs> I wonder who Frank Thomas is gonna is gonna pick to win White Sox Yankees. I wonder who A Rod's gonna pick to win White Sox Yankees. I wonder who David Ortiz is going to pick in a game that the Yankees are playing in. <laughs> I wonder what that's gonna happen. Yeah. It's it's funny how they just have their own like three all- people with a bias. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was the playoffs this year. We had a White Sox. Yeah, we had a and and, and those games were on Fox. The AL teams. <laughs> we had a White yep. Sox series. We had a Red Sox series. So the same formula. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a Rod. A Rod's a funny guy on Twitter. Unintentionally, obviously, he's funny for the wrong reasons. Um, it's so horribly ironic. <laughs> he has—he probably has no idea. I mean, he definitely has an idea, but like, you—he knows. Like, I had a tweet as a joke where I was like, um, "A Rod's gonna not go into the Hall of Fame and think it's because I hit too many home runs and <laughs> didn't bunt enough." <laughs> oh my god! Uh, it starts this year, baby. Right? Yeah. It—it it, it does. Yeah, we have him on the ballot. <laughs> Omar Vizquel had more sacrifices. That's why, look, you look at why Omar Vizquel got a higher percentage of the vote than I did. <laughs> it's because he, I think he led in sacrifice hits four times or something. <laughs> and that's the only thing he ever led in. Yeah, I'm tr- not even anything defensive related. Let's look up. Let's look up Omar. Yeah, I, I, I know that page by heart, man. He absolutely only led in sacrifice hits four times. Um, yeah, one, one, two, three, and four. nothing else is bold on the page. <laughs> nothing. Nothing else, and he didn't even he didn't even lead in shortstops in D War ever. Yeah, not that you could find that on a reference page, but like manually. You but we we've done the research. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, deep, deep in quarantine, that was like if you if you're just tuning into the show and you're pro Omar Vizquel, you need to log off now. <laughs> no, log in, learn, and go go to yeah. our uh, Hall of Fame case for and against Omar Vizquel. Omar and there Vizquel. was a case for there we were, did address a case for then we completely dismantled it yeah that was one where we went in with pretty heavy bias yeah uh, against against our um bubble case if you will yeah um all right so i guess that does it for the 160th installment of above replacement radio by the way this is the 80th episode as above replacement radio we did 80 as uh show to be named later so we have tied the record we have um 
So we'll have a new we're name. A, we're 80 and 80. <laughs> we'll have we'll have a new name by next episode. Yes, we will. Um <laughs> uh No, we're we're not we're not going to be doing that again. Uh but we have Yeah, so we'll be passing that next episode um unless unless the world comes crashing down and we can't do one. Um so we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh if you if you uh want to follow us on so- social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. And we hope you enjoy this one and we hope to see you on Monday talking about games three, four, and five, and potentially just potentially just potentially though. Game six. So we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.